This is the Rich Dad Radio Show. The good news and bad news about money. Here's Robert Kiyosaki. Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad Radio Show. Then this is part three of a four-part series. And in my opinion, all our shows are important. But these four, this four series are the most important because if you're working for this garbage here called paper, you're about to get wiped out because this has no value to it. This is not even valuable as toilet paper. It's a little too small. So that's why most people have been conditioned to work for this here. So this is part three of four-part series. For full disclosure, these are the gentlemen I go to because I want information more than the gold and more than the silver. And so our, our and so today's subject is why is gold important? The next one is why is silver important? So those guys, those silver stacker guys out there, oh, I'm saving silver, I'm saving silver. I'm going, give me a break. So you young guys out there, pay attention, especially silver stackers. You know, I'm glad you still, I'm glad you're stacking silver, but there's more to life than stacking a few silver. So our guests today are Dana Samuelson, Jim Clark, Andy Sheckman, Charles Goyette, and myself. Please look at the other the, uh, the other preceding programs. So let's start with Dana. Why is gold important as a money as money? We'll all say the same thing. Gold has no counterparty risk. It is the most trusted and oldest form of value transfer that man knows, going all the way back to ancient times. Let me ask this question. Okay. Counterparty means this. If you lend your brother-in-law $100, what's your chance of getting it back? <laughs> Zero. That's counterparty. <laughs> so when if somebody says counterparty, so when you work for this stuff here, what's your chances of getting its value back? You know, how much value has this lost in 100 years? Uh, almost all of its purchasing power, down to a couple of pennies of real purchasing power compared to goods and services 100 years ago. So do you trust your Uncle Sam? Do you no. trust Uncle our government? No. Charles, Jim, do you, do you trust our government? Absolutely not. Andy? No. Charles? No, of course not. Not on your life. So that's, is, that, is that why gold is important? You know, it amazes me, Robert, how many times human beings have to go through the same experience. They've been flim-flammed since the great Khan of China. They've been flim-flammed in, uh, in Greece. They were flim they've been flim-flammed all over the years for thousands of years by these fake money schemes, lead money, worthless money, wooden money, uh, bark money, paper money, digital money. They've been flim-flammed by them all the time. And, uh, uh, of course, when the game is up eventually, when people wake up, when they start one, thinking, oh, this is trash and this is real, this is fake and this is real, when they wake up, they revert to gold and silver. And that's about where we are now. We've got a lot of awakening to do, but uh, the game for this fraudulent currency is... is uh, Over. Jim, I'm asking a tougher question. We all, you know, most of us agree that gold's been money for 5,000 years. How did the old guys know it was money? When I first got in the business, I heard uh, what money, the definition of money is very simple. Something of value that is used as a medium of exchange. And they figured that out 5,000 years ago and it carried on that gold is very rare. It has a lot of uses. But how did they figure that it's out? It's fungible. John, this is my question. 
Well, I think they figured it out. As they said, well, there's plenty of rocks out there, so we're not going to use rocks as money. There's, you know, plenty of uh, other elements out there that is plentiful. Gold was something very hard to find. It has a lot of I, uses. Jim, so, Jim, and I've I've climbed those rocks. I remember I was up in the mountains of Peru, and there was little holes going up a mountainside, and I stood there going, "What's that?" The guy says, "That's the vein," and these were the Inca or in Peru. How did they know? Dana, how did they know it was gold? How did well, it was valuable? Well, first of all, gold is scarce. It's impervious, so it, it, it won't react to elements. It'll survive. And it's malleable, so they could make it into something that useful in coins. So those are the three attributes, scarcity, impervious to the elements, and malleability. That's what made gold the leading choice for currency at man's early existence of real trading currency. Andy, why, why is gold? How did these old guys, I mean, we're, we're, we're young compared to those guys. <laughs> but when I stood on that mountaintop looking at that lion going up a side of a mountain, I said, how did they know? That was like 7,000 years ago. They were drilling holes. I don't know who, who, first, who first figured that out, but I can tell you that Aristotle defined sound money as having, as Dana said, durability, portability, divisibility, and intrinsic value. And if you think about it, you know, you can't use things that are too heavy uh, it, for portability. You can't use shells or salt. That doesn't do durability. You have to be able to break it up into small pieces for divisibility. And intrinsic, it can't be everywhere. It has to be scarce. So those things, Aristotle said, are money. And if you look at gold in that vein, in that light, sure makes sense. Charles, why is, how did those old guys know? You know, the nice thing about it is that no government ever uh, ever instituted gold from the top down. It didn't come from a board of, uh, you know, PhDs. It just arose organically. People recognized the allure of gold. They wanted gold. You had a choice between trading for a cow and trading for gold. How do you divide up the milk cow? You divide up the milk cow, it loses value rapidly. So they've talked about the, the qualities of gold, divisibility and durability and so on. And it just arose organically in the human experience. It was not, it was not an edict. It was not a, it was not a law passed by some king or sovereign or church or government. It was just the people's nature of we like this stuff. I, it's let real. me let me tell you something I heard. I was in I was in uh, Fiji talking to an American guru. He was a Hindu white. He was a white guy, and he was an Indian guru. He was in the Apple commercial. I don't know if you guys remember that years ago. There are a bunch of these white guys dressed as Indian gurus, Hindus, and they had holy icons. They had an Apple computer. So I met the guy. He was dripping in gold. So I had to ask him, you know, if, if he's a spiritual guy, because a lot of Americans, especially Christians, think that money is the root of all evil. Well, this Hindu guy definitely did not believe that one. So he's sitting there, white guy, long white beard, white clothes, gold dripping from him. He goes, I said, hey, Guru, Guru Deva was his name. How come you have so much gold on? In a Christian religion, you'd be a heretic. And, he, and the guy, he cracks up, he looks at me because I, I held no boundaries. He says, because gold is the tears of God. And what? So I said, so I'm not saying this is true, you guys. But if the guru says that and he's dripping in gold, and he says, besides that, 
Gold is the attractor of wealth. So on the spiritual, on God's side, I'm not really religious here, but gold attracts wealth. He said, because I was broke at the time. And he says to me, he says, look, if you want $1,000 a month, hold $1,000 in your house. Gold will attract $1,000. So with that, Kim and I went on a high-powered spending spree, buying all the gold we could, storing it, hiding it away from our house. And sure enough, our wealth went up. So I'm not saying it's true. But if, if the guru says so, gold is the attractor of wealth. Any comments there, Dana? Is that too much bullshit for you or what? No, no. <laughs> but I believe you because uh, we've seen nothing but the value of gold rise compared to many other things over the years. Uh, and you know, the, the other thing that gold has is that unique color, that just hard, impossible to fake color. You know, even King Tutankhamun's burial mask had 22 pounds of pure gold on it. So that's another testament to, you know, gold's uh, desirability going back to ancient times. So, Jim, what do you think? Um, do, do, do women like gold or they like diamonds? Well, my wife likes both. <laughs> so I, I'm not a fair one to ask. And uh, especially if I come across something, a chain or uh, a nice diamond uh, necklace or something. Oh, I love that. Or a tennis bracelet. Yeah, can I, I'd like to have that myself. But you made a point uh, several times in face-to-face -face conversations, Robert, that gold is God's money. And we find that in scripture and uh, silver as well. And who's going to argue that? Uh, you know, taking scripture back thousands of years too, that it's all right there. That was always the real money. Yeah. Are they, so... But Jim, I, my friends will still argue. They'd, they'd rather have toilet paper. Well, let them have it, and we'll, we'll have all the rest of the gold. How would that be? In fact, I like seeing a, a drop in the price of gold acquire more. And when people panic about uh, getting gold at $2,000 an ounce, it drops down to eighteen or 1900 just get more. Because they're printing paper faster than they're minting gold. Jim, I, I, or mining I have gold. bad news for you. Somebody who can't afford 2000 can't afford 1800 either. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Andy, what do you think? Why is gold important? Well, look at the most well-funded and more importantly, well-informed traders on the planet. We may have lots of nasty things to say about the central bankers, but the central banks of the world, which I would tell you are the most sophisticated and well-informed traders on the planet, over the past two years have bought more gold than at any time in the history of central banking. And I think that says a lot. Not only did they reclassify it tier one and go on a great repatriation spree of bringing back gold from the New York Federal Reserve and the Bank of England, where they're typically held for trading purposes, but they're buying it at levels the world has never seen. And so to me, uh, when the people who, un who understand the playbook, who know where things are supposed to be going, go on that big of a buying spree, uh, it's something that should not be overlooked. That's today. That's today. That's correct. But it, it's been the same forever. So what goes uh, around I, comes around, I guess. Uh, I just want to be clear. I'm not talking about a thousand years ago. Yep, that's so it's today. It's still today. Yep. One of, the, one of the best things, I forget, I forget who said it, one of the famous gold bugs. He says when the Spanish ships went down loaded with gold, you know, back in today, divers still dive for that gold. He says if a ship goes down with dollar bills in it, Nobody's going to dive for it. Leave it. 
So Charles, why is gold so why is gold so important? Well, it's it's important right now, especially for defensive reasons. The people are being fleeced. They're being fleeced. Look, uh, since the uh, the housing meltdown, the Federal Reserve printed made up out of nothing roughly eight trillion dollars. This money works its way through the system. It causes prices to rise. It has only begun to work its way through. So you have a, a really grim outlook for the purchasing power of the dollar in the years to come. You better own gold as a defensive step in this period in which everything is Amen. breaking down. And that's, I think, the most important reason for the reason we have this four-part series. You gotta protect yourself from the government. I mean, that's who we're protecting ourselves from. The biggest thieves are running the show. So in closing, so, uh, Dana, how do people get in touch with you? Uh, my company is a national mail order company, American Gold Exchange. Uh, websites, www.amergold.com. Our email address, info, I-N-F-O, at amergold.com. Thank you. Jim and Charles. I'll get in touch with you. So we're Republic Monetary Exchange. Our offices are in Phoenix, Arizona. We're at uh, 4040 East Camelback. Our website is rmegold.com. And our phone number is 602-682-GOLD. And if you go to the website, rmegold.com, and you want to order one of my books, I'll send it out to you as a courtesy to you, Robert. Real money for free people. I'll sign it. And we'll send it out to Great you. Great book. And yeah, thank you. Thank you. And Andy, how did they get in touch with you? Uh, MilesFranklin.com is our website. But for specific questions for a much more competitive price list, we kind of keep close to the vest. And, um, uh, you know, any inquiries whatsoever, uh, info at MilesFranklin.com. Info at MilesFranklin.com. Uh, the reason Andy is saying that, if you, if you if you're a stacker, I want three of these things. These guys don't get too excited. But Andy, how, uh, are you free? How big have some of the orders been for you coming in for private citizens? Uh, last year, we had our two biggest orders ever. One was $50 million and one was $52 million. So by far the biggest we've ever done, ever. Not, not a central bank? Nope. Two, two very wealthy women in both cases. In both cases, they sent the wire without even as much as an invoice. They just sent the wire, said, oh, we sent you money. I've never experienced anything like that in 34 years. Two single young women are no, not, not single and not young, but, uh, <laughs> but sophisticated nonetheless. And I, can I just say one quick thing? Because we've said the word trillion a lot. I want people to understand, keep it simple. A trillion seconds ago was 31,688 years ago. Let's put context in just a, how big these problems are. You're talking Neanderthals stalking the plains of Europe a trillion seconds ago. And we have a 30, almost $34 trillion debt and $130 trillion in unfunded liabilities, Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, government, military, pensions. That's why you need to look at gold and silver. This is a big hole we're trying to dig out of. Charles, can... can uh Biden and uh, Powell and uh, Yellen, can they stop the debt from piling up? They Not only can they not stop it, they don't even want to. As you've called them, I think, the Three Stooges. They uh, uh, are out of control. You've, you've 
got to understand that nothing will restrain them from the destruction of the U.S. economy. Uh, and l like Andy, you know, I love the idea, the ideal of America, but nothing will restrain these people from destroying the reality of our country and uh, destroying our liberties and prosperity down the road. Nothing will stop. And Jimmy made a point of it. You always have gold and silver on hand. Yes, we do. Yep, plenty of it. We have high security here, too. We have uh, Phoenix police officers in the building to escort people in and out of the building to uh, put their investments in. We've never had one problem uh, in all of our years in business. And then uh, you guys, do you offer storage? No, not at all. Dana? I think the whole thing about owning gold is that you want to have it near you. You don't want to put any distance between you and your gold. So we recommend that you have a safe place to put it when you get it and take it there, we don't want to know where it is. Would you keep it at your house? Maybe. No. <laughs> Possibly. Well, I wouldn't put it in a safety deposit box at a bank, and there's these private vaults that you can put them in. I'm not a big fan of those either because uh, there was one over in California that they they came in and raided and emptied all the boxes because they were looking for some illegal activities going on. I don't think the private depositories are the place either, but... Something like a floor safe makes a lot of sense or a high security safe that's uh, armed and videoed, I think is a, is a good idea. Well, not to brag, but I started in 64 with my first silver coin. And I just, I kept saving them, kept saving them. I'd go and caddy, get a dollar for a nine, nine holes, and I'd change it to quarters, dimes, and nickels, or quarters and dimes. And today I own gold mines. So I can't keep my gold mine in my floor safe anymore. <laughs> but the, the point here is this. Once you understand it, that's why I have these four guys. I buy from them, but I buy them I buy from them because gold and silver is the same, hopefully. But I buy for the information. So, Daniel, final question is this. What's the chances of confiscation of gold I did in 1933? Well, the only country that confiscated gold was the United States. Uh, no other country around the world had a gold confiscation order. Uh, the chances of that repeating itself, I think, are fairly low because back then 100% of the public could own gold in the form of a vintage coin that was currency and money at the time. And there's a distinction between the two. And the government wanted to print more currency uh, then they had money, so they did that. Now, today, maybe 5 to 10% of the public owns gold. Uh, all the major countries around the world are in the process of producing and selling gold bullion coins. United States, Austria, China, Australia, Canada. And I think, you know, with the small percentage of people that actually own gold and it's not a trading currency anymore, I think the chances of confiscation are pretty slim, to be honest with you. Andy, what happened when Roosevelt did that in 1933? There was a, well, a lot of questions. He immediately devalued the dollar uh, by by 40%, so making gold worth that much more. And I agree with Dana. Everything he said, the only thing I don't agree with, that I think 5 or 10% would be a lot. I know Rick Rule says he thinks less than one half of 1% own any gold and silver. I think the, the way that they would do it if they wanted to confiscate gold would be to take the ETFs like GLD and SLV. And the funny thing about it is that SLV, the big ETF that is supposedly the first or second largest stockpile of silver in the world, it's held by JP Morgan. Talk about Fox guarding the hen house. They paid a $920 million fine for suppressing the metals market 
and they're allowed to control the world's largest silver trust. And HSBC Bank maybe paid more fines than any any commercial bank on the planet is the custodian of GLD. So if they really wanted to confiscate metal, they could come in on a Friday night. They could nationalize the ETFs, be sitting on this huge stockpile of gold and silver and look at the world in the face and say, what? We didn't do what he did, what Roosevelt did in 33. We didn't take your gold. In fact, you can still go buy gold from Dana or from Andy or from, from these guys here who, who, you know, hey, go for it. We're not making it illegal, but I think that um, the unintended consequences of, of confiscating gold when you still pretend to be the world reserve currency in the center of free trade would be catastrophic. So I, I agree with Dana. I don't think it will happen this time around because not enough people own it. Jim, what do you think? What's the possibilities of confiscation? Well, in 2014, they talked about confiscating the uh, retirement plans, which a lot of them have gold in it. And then the government would distribute the, the IRA as they saw fit, not as you saw fit. So if you have a gold IRA, it's subject to confiscation by the government. I think there's as good a chance now as ever that a president, I don't think it's going to be Trump, but uh, could be a future president that says, you know what, uh, we think that uh, people should not own gold just like they did in 1933. We're going to confiscate it as they did. And if you don't turn it in, you could be locked up for six months or fined several thousands of dollars. I always have that in the back of my mind. What if this happens? And that's why I think Dana and selling pre-1933 gold makes a lot of sense just in case they do confiscate, you've got something to fall back on and bullion would be the item that, the items that they would take. And the problem with it's not so much the confiscation, but what do you get for it when you do? And right now the statutory price is $42.22 an ounce. That's what you get. You don't get $2,000 or $21 or $2,500, the statutory price. So either way, we're screwed. Charles? In, when, they, when they confiscated the gold in the 30s, the point really wasn't to take the gold. Of course, they were thieves. Of course, they wanted to take the gold. The point was to devalue the dollar. They were As long as the dollar was tied to gold, they couldn't devalue the dollar. They wanted to tank the value of the dollar, which they did by, by de-linking it to gold. They don't need to do that now. They tank the value of the dollar with each passing day, with every act of money printing, with all every act of deficit spending. So nothing stops them from the destruction of the dollar now. Gold is not in their way, so it's not their biggest enemy today. Well, Biden already did that. His first act when he became president was cut the Keystone XL pipeline off. And the price of oil went from $30 a barrel to $130 a barrel. He brought in inflation. And exactly as Fuller says, the way our wealth is stolen is via inflation and taxation. God bless America. Gentlemen, see you next on the chapter. On the fourth part, the fourth part will be why is silver important? We'll be right back. This podcast is a presentation of Rich Dad Media Network.